any of you are new, my name is, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Dave Nelson, and so lead pastor here. Um, most of you obviously see my face all the time. But this is my wife, Susie, who I talk about all the time, but she's actually up here on stage. You guys welcome my wife up here with me today. And uh, yeah, baby. Ah, you need to be up here more often, honey. I never get screams like that. <laughs> cool. No, uh, and Sue's and I are actually doing all four of these messages together, which is super, super exciting. Um, and so uh, we'll just start off with a story, right? We're talking about this whole idea with, with a lot of what we're applying this standout idea to is parenting. And when Susie and I, um, I think we were pregnant for our first child at the time with Mariah, and um, we had an old home built in the night. It was built in the 1920s back in Detroit, Michigan. And um, we had this one room that was always cold. And how many of you are appreciating the cold weather right now? Yeah? It's good. Some people love it. Um, but, uh, but our house was, always had this one room that was super cold. So I asked a friend, you know, who's kind of a builder. It's like, what, why, why is this room so cold? And he said, well, what's above the room? And I go, I have no idea. It's just boarded off. And he goes, oh. He goes, well, you have, you have just dead space above this room. And I'm sure that's what's happening. The cold air is just seeping right through. So my dad came over, and my dad actually built our whole home. He's super handy with wood. And uh, so he punched, we punched a hole, we opened up this little closet, and we punched a hole in the back of the closet, and, and sure enough, there's 100 square feet just sitting there with nothing in it. And here we were getting ready to have our first child. I was going to lose my office, and we're like, wait a second. And, and uh, so we actually created a, a whole new room and, uh, so I could get out of there so we'd have room for our baby. And it was, it was, it was so cool. But here, here's what's neat is, so what we did is we actually took the door uh, from that little closet, and we chose, took it away, and I gave it to my dad. And my dad took it, and he's an amazing, again, he has his own wood shop and does all this stuff. And he polished it, he painted it, he cut it perfectly, and then he created a coffee table for us. And so this is it right here. So the and, so, so we chose this door, my dad polished it up, and then this thing has been in our house for 17 years, totally approved, right? It is proven to be a really good piece of furniture. So, which is one of the few pieces of furniture in our house that has survived 17 years. <laughs> Love kids and dogs. Yep. <laughs> so, so here's and here's what we realize is so this piece, this whole idea of in this passage that these sons of Asher were choice men. See, for us, this is a choice table. And that's what we're going to try to explain to you, those three things that happen. And when you guys hear the word choice, when you think about what a choice man is, uh, a few things that hit me, what does it mean to be choice? We, right? We have the People's Choice Award, right? And so what does that mean? They're people who are chosen. They're at the top of their game, and they've proven themselves to be great entertainers or whatever, and everybody loves them. Or we had guests in this weekend, and we decided, right, we had a choice about which restaurant to take them. But well, we don't take them to a restaurant we haven't been to, right? You take them to one that's proven itself to be a choice place. Sea salt, by the way, in Sugar House. Fantastic restaurant. <laughs> and then you got this right here, right? Those of us who are married, you come to a point where you've got a choice out of all the women in the world. I'm going to make this choice. And she makes this choice. 
But you only do that after you've tested and approved, right? You date, you get engaged, and you test and approve to find out, is this person really the choice person that I actually want to spend the rest of my life with and knit my heart with? So those are the ideas. Now, in the Old Testament, the word here, and we had an amazing week of of studying. This was really fun. I'm going to share later. I, I had some pretty profound light bulbs that got turned on for me and my relationship with God through, through this word, choice. But here's what it means. It means to select or to choose. It means to polish, purify, or cleanse. So once you select it, then you take it, and then you polish it, and you purify it, and you cleanse it, which makes it better than everything else that was around. And then you test it, and you prove it. And so what we find is these men of Asher, they were those who were chosen purified, and proven. So why is this important for us today? Because I know this right now. Can I just ask, how many of you are parents, real quick, in the room? Just go ahead and raise your hand if you're a parent, okay? A ton of us in here are parents. If you're a parent, let me ask you this. How many of you have influence over another person of any kind at all, whether it's at work or you're a boss or you oversee people, okay? Here's the truth. We want to be great parents, right? Don't you want to be a great parent? And if you're leading, don't you want to be a great leader? You do. And here's what's cool. God is saying, I too actually want you to be choice. And I, I was the last thing for me in this, but, uh, and here's the thing. The next, last week and the next two messages are actually going to be pretty practical application of things you can do actually to be better at these things. Today's message is more at the core. Today's message is really, as Eugene Peterson in the message said, these were men who were excellent in character. This isn't so much about what you do, it's about what's going on in here. Because here's what we know, right? Our kids are going to weigh, they're going to catch more from our lives than they're going to listen to what we say. So what we are is what really matters today. Yeah. And, and because of that, here's the encouraging thing. Um, anyone... Any one of us in this wide world or in this auditorium can be choice because of what Jesus did for us and who he is in our lives. Any person. There's nothing special about the door that we use to make this table. In fact, it should have been rejected. It was too small for any standard door frame. In our own minds, we couldn't, you know, come up with something to do with it. In fact, we have a door in our garage here in Salt Lake that we was in our house when we moved in, and we didn't know what to do with it, so we stuck it in the garage, and it's still there. <laughs> 14 years later, we don't know what to do with it. But the door, for the, there was nothing special about it. It ought to have been rejected, but we chose it, and um, it has become something really special to us, partly because his dad is the one who made it for us. And our heart in talking about this today, because sometimes when we talk about being choice, being excellent, being people that stand out in a crowd and, and really stand out in a culture that can be discouraging and hurtful, um, when we talk about standing out, I think I can tend to be um, too hard on myself too much and too self-discouraging and and I don't know, I'm guessing that there are many of us in here who feel the same way. And what we want you to hear through this is Jesus makes you choice. It's all about him. 
and anyone, anyone, he loves everyone, um, is made to be this kind of excellent, deep at their core. So let's just pray and we'll unpack that. Cool. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We all need it. Every single one of us in this room needs your mercy. There is not one of us in here who is not desperately in need of grace, of a savior, of a good God who will do in us what we can't do in ourselves. And I pray that um, as we sit here today, as we have this conversation together, as we look at your word together, I pray that your Holy Spirit would um, speak and articulate this to each person's heart, to encourage those who are discouraged, um, and to reignite a fire in the hearts of those who have kind of gotten lukewarm and pulled away from you. Um, to do whatever you want to do in our lives, to continue to relentlessly pursue us and make us your choice people. Give David and I grace to say what we need to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do first. We're going to do this every week. Is um, Whenever you read something from the Old Testament, the first thing I always do is I, then I flip it to the New Testament, and I see where does this match Jesus? Because in Jesus, we actually see the invisible God. He is the center of everything, okay? So we're going to look at how does Jesus choice, and, 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 and we're going to go through that. And here's the beautiful thing, because, again, if you're new to Christianity, what Christianity is, it's this message that we were actually created to be in union with God, and yet most human beings live separate from him. Do We do our own thing. But Christ came to reconcile us back to God so that his spirit, because you're a spiritual being, his spirit actually can unite with yours. So that's why we look at Jesus first, because we find out who he is and then how he can affect us, all right? So here we go. The first thing is that Jesus is chosen, all right? First Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him. He's precious. He's choice. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. All right? So here's what you need to understand. Jesus was called the chosen one. The Jews, when they were waiting for the Messiah... They called the Messiah the chosen one. In fact, we know this because when Jesus was on the cross, uh, dying as, as for all of our sin, while he was hanging on the cross, the people were looking at him and they yelled out in Luke 23, it says, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. <laughs> so they knew, they, they were calling this one person, the only one who can actually save us, the only one who can actually give us eternal life, he's chosen. So what you got to understand here is God wasn't looking at a bunch of different people and going, okay, so which one do I choose? That's not who Jesus was. He's called chosen 
because he was the elect one. He is the only one who could actually be this one who could die and rise again, a living stone, and then create living stones within us by giving his living spirit. That's why he's called the chosen one, because there's no one else like him. And here's what's cool. Again, anyone can be choice because of Jesus, okay? Because what did it say? He says, you also, I'm a living stone, I'm a living being, and then it says, you also can be living stones. God, through Christ, can give you today this eternal life. And then it says, you're built to be a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, and I love this, and you'll never be put to shame. Can I just ask you guys, as a parent, how many times have you felt shame (laughs) as a parent? Because you blow it, because you're not being everything that you want to be. I mean, there are so many times where you just go, oh, I'm such a loser, I can't do this. And it's cool, but he says, hey, I came so that you could be choice, and you'll never be put to shame. So that's the first one, Jesus is chosen. And Jesus stands out as one who is chosen, and he stands out because he's pure. Jesus is pure. We're going to look at Hebrews 226, such a high priest, who's Jesus, truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He just stands out so much. And this idea of being pure is, um, I don't know, it's kind of, I was thinking about it as we were preparing this, it's just kind of foreign to us. If you're a metallurgist and you know about pure silver and pure gold, it might be something that's right in the forefront of your mind. But there's not many things, maybe anything in my home that's pure gold or pure silver or pure anything. Um, In life, too, like how often do you experience anything that's actually pure? Even when we use the phrase, it was, man, it was pure joy to see you today. Joy very often, I think, all the time in our experience in this life is mingled with, you know, sadness or disappointment because if in the very least, um, all good things come to an end. There's always this echo of not being pure joy. The other thing is we think of the most pure person that you know in your life. Get them in your mind. Somebody that you think of is just, they're just pure, man. They're just good. And you know that you know that you know that they have their own duplicities. They have their own discrepancies internally. No one is pure like Jesus was pure. So it's difficult for us to wrap our mind around it. But he is good. We are not. You know, to err is human. Um, I'm only human. All I could think of was Christina Perry when we were preparing this, you know. I'm only human, and I started singing that to him. And, no, 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 and she said, she goes, you know, you know the song, It's Only Human, yeah. and, and I go, yeah, you guys know the human league, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm only Nobody human, <laughs> both flesh and blood I made. I'm only human, born to make mistakes. It's from his mullet era. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I've 80s children, give uh, it up. Yeah, I'm an 80s child, and I never heard that song. Oh, that's because you lived in the boonies in Colorado. I did. That's true. Hey, I'm only human. (laughs) Um, But really, the cool thing about Jesus, you know, we have the phrase, to err is human. Not true 
about Jesus. He was fully human, as we're going to read later in some other passages, and yet perfect, pure, blameless. He stands out from every human being who's ever lived, ever, even Gandhi and Mother Teresa. Jesus is the only one who is pure. And so anyone, again, so the point is anyone could be choice, though, because of Jesus. Because listen to what he says. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, God made him who had no sin, so he's pure, sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, so again, anyone can be choice because of Jesus. Jesus is going, I'm pure, and now I can get, make you pure. You can actually be the righteousness of God, which is amazing. And so that leads us to the third thing. So Jesus is chosen, he's pure, and then Jesus is proven, okay? Jesus is proven. So, so, okay. I always get awkward on this point, don't I? I did last I service too. <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> um, I was trying to think of why is it desirable that Jesus would be proven and tested for me personally. Um, I don't know why that was a thing for me when we were preparing this sermon. But I just thought, you know what? Actually, it's a really good thing to have a God who's proven himself to us. Because we don't really want to trust anything in our life that isn't proven. And I thought of the illustration. If somebody had come to me when I had my little newborn Mariah, our first child, and said, Suze, I have this great new baby car seat. It, it is just designed with some of the top-notch engineers. We had some of the best um, minds at work on it. We've used the most priceless, you know, best materials. The, the engineers have really worked on this. The design is flawless. We're really excited. And if I asked, um, and it, it tested well, and the person replied, oh, we, we didn't really test it. Am I putting my baby in a car seat, no matter who built it, that has not been tested? No way on God's green earth. But we will put our faith in things and in people and in religions and in gods that um, have not proven themselves the way Jesus has to us. Yeah, so how, how did he prove himself? Look at this, Hebrews 4. It says, for we do, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. So, right? So here we are, all of us feeling like, ah, I'm not that good, I'm a crappy parent, or I'm not a good leader, or I'm struggling, what and what? He goes, I can actually empathize with your weaknesses because we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as you are, but he never sinned. That is unbelievable testing. Tested in every way. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the way I get tempted is different than the way Susie gets tempted. That's different than the way you get tempted. No, Jesus, he goes, listen, I've been through all of it. <laughs> and I never one time sinned. That's proven. And you guys, what's so cool then, again, so anyone can be choice because of Jesus. Why? Because the verse goes on. It says, because he, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So again, what he's saying is, I want you to be choice. And so I came down here, I went through everything that you go through, and yet I never failed one time. And so now, you, because I'm proven, I can help you when you are weak and when you're going through the things that are testing you. That is super, super cool. So that's Jesus, you guys. He is choice. Why? Because he's the chosen one, 
because he's pure and because he is proven unlike any other human being on this planet ever was. All right? So now let's flip it around and let's look at us. How can you and I come to a place where we can stand out, where we can be choice men and choice women? So the first thing we need to understand is that we're chosen. Yeah. Look at this verse in Ephesians 1. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us before the creation of the world in the time before all time. God looked ahead. He knew you. He already knew you. Every single person in all the world he has known. <clears throat> he chose us in him. And there's something so beautiful about being chosen. Um, right? Being chosen for an award, being chosen for the kickball team, which I know I was not very often in <laughs> elementary school because I missed the ball. Um, uh, but to be chosen into relationship is even more powerful. You know, I, I was single into my 30s, and I think a lot of that was I had chosen Jesus, and, and I was okay. He was my king, and I belonged to him. And so I wasn't just out there looking for any random guy, you know. Um, but it was still a very painful place to be. And so when this guy chose me, and, and now when he still chooses me 18 years later, and I know that of all the people in the world, he would rather be with me than anybody else. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know that to my core. And here's the thing. Many of us in this room do not feel that reality with God. But he says to you, I made you, I love you, I chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world because I want, it, I want you to be holy and blameless before me. I want relationship with you. Yeah, now think about this. this is, you guys, this is so important. Again, this isn't something, okay, go do this. This is <laughs> something you must understand at your core if you, in, as a spiritual human being, are ever going to flourish, you have to believe that God chooses you. You have to believe he chooses you, and he does. And then, what's again, and anyone can be choice because of Jesus, because what the verse said is, I choose you to be holy and blameless. So God chooses you to say, listen, I created you, and now I'm choosing to help you become everything I created you to be. Now, here's what I know. Some of you are sitting here today and going, there's no way God would choose me. With all the stuff that I've done and all the failures that I've made, and I, I'm just, I am a nobody. We have such a negative connotation, too many of us do. Look at this verse. This is fantastic. 1 Corinthians 1, it says, brothers and sisters, all of you, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world 
to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. Is that not good news? <laughs> so what's that saying? What that means is no matter who you are, and I mean no matter who you are, right? Because what he said was not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. So what he's saying there is that some of you were wise by human standards when God chose you. Some of you were influential, you in the world. So what he's saying is, it doesn't matter if you were wise or foolish. It doesn't matter if you were influential. Did I say that right? It, yes. It, it sounded weird. Uh, <laughs> if, if you were influential or if you were not. Here's what God is saying. I choose you no matter who you are. And this is, you guys, listen to this. You do not have to be something special to be made something special. You don't have to be something special to be made something special because God, who can do anything, chooses you. Every one of you. All right? So now the second thing is um, that we're purified. Okay? So we're chosen and now we're purified. So remember, Jesus is pure and we're not. So we need to be purified. We're purified. Titus uh, chapter 2. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You know, we all, many of us want to be set free from yucky stuff, but when I read this, um, I kind of had a knee-jerk reaction and I, that I just, I think is natural for me growing up in America, in the Christian church. When I read this, I look at these phrases, self-controlled, godly, upright, eager to do good, and I think, <laughs> Those are not the people, like, who wants to be around somebody who makes you feel cruddy about yourself every single day of your life? I read this and I thought, too many times the religious people are the ones, the do-gooders, the godly, the self-controlled, the upright. And I've, my experience as a parent especially mm. is really struggling with self-control and really struggling with behaving like God. Um, and being godly. And so I just wanted to say that you need to know that this upright, godly, eager to do good thing that Jesus wants to do in you is not a religious thing. There are many people who pursue being, doing what's good and being godly and upright because they want to prove something to God or to others. And the result is pride and judgment of other people. And that's not what we're talking about here. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you are whitewashed tombs. You look really good on the outside and there is nothing but death inside. And what Jesus is talking about here is life inside, a people for his own possession, people that are his very own. And I belong to Jesus. And that does something in my core of cores that begins to work out in me and make me somebody who's eager. You know, you don't want to be the opposite. Do you want to be somebody who um, is totally out of control, um, totally ungodly and sneaky, um, and doesn't really 
care to do anything good, just kind of lazy. We don't want to be that. But we need to be careful here not to do this religiously and exalt ourselves over everybody else. And so, so what's key about this is we, so we are purified. You don't make yourself pure. Mm-hmm. You don't make yourself good. So again, can I just, this is so important. If it, when you get caught up in human ideas of religion are always where you have to make yourself good. That's not how it works. Because then again, then that's pride. But look at the phrases in here. It's the grace of God. Grace is a gift. It's nothing you earn. It's something you freely receive. So you can't take any credit for it. Because it's like, oh my gosh, thanks for this amazing gift. And then it's you're saved. Well, I can tell you this. If, you, if someone's drowning and you have to save them, well, then apparently they don't have what it takes to, to make it. Otherwise, they just swim better. And he, <laughs> and, and, right? And he's like, no. You're actually, the grace of God, the gift of God actually saved you. So you can't take any credit for this because you were going down unless he came and did something for you. So there's no pride in this. And you realize he redeemed us. That means purchased you. You didn't have, redeem means you are in slavery and there's nothing you can do about it. And somebody else actually has to pay your ransom to set you free. See, these are all languages of the, or, or words and phrases. You don't do this. God does this for you. He purifies you. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, here's the, and the last thing that's really cool about this point is, and it's done. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he purifies you. Look at this. Hebrews 10 says, and by that will of God, by the will of God, we have been, that's past tense, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You guys, this is the, this is the greatest news for me. Yeah, it, it's the greatest news for me, is that when I put my faith in Christ, Jesus Christ died one time. His sacrifice was one time for all my sin and for all of yours. And as soon as I put my faith in Christ, he takes my sin away, and then he gives me his righteousness. I'm like, are you kidding me? Sweet! It's so... And then, look at this, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made choice, who are being made holy. So anyone can be choice because of Jesus. Why? Because he forgives you of everything you've ever done wrong. He makes you perfect forever. And then he's making you holy. So man, if you want to be everything that God created you to be, you've got to believe, wow, he chose me. And then he purified me. Now we can get the last one. And that is we're proven. We're actually proven. You know, I, I'm from Michigan, right? <clears throat> the Detroit area where everything is about automobiles. And so we, a lot of my friends, in fact, my uncle actually worked at the proving grounds, right? So what do they do in the proving grounds? You take the car and you get it out there and you <laughs> test it. You drive it. You, you, you put it through every possible thing. The same with this as the baby seat. Why? Because you want to find out, is there anything in this automobile that doesn't work? And then when they find out what doesn't work, then they can fix it. Okay, so that's proving. And so here's what Jesus does. He he wants to take the design of you, just like the design of a car, and then he wants to test it so that it can be proven. He wants to reveal anything in you that's not actually working. What is it that's keeping me from living a full, complete life? He goes, well, let me test you, and we'll find out. That's what you do in a proving ground. Look at this. James 1, 
says, consider it. And that's, this is so funny, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, seriously, whenever I read that verse, my flesh goes, I never go, woohoo! This is awesome. This, my life sucks and it's great. You know? Um, but here's what he's saying Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when the trials are coming. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And the perseverance, let it finish its work so that you can be choice, so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Oh my gosh, you guys, anyone can be choice because of Jesus. Why? Because once you receive Jesus, he's going to start testing you. But consider it joy because all he's doing is he's bringing up the stuff inside of you that can help you make, make you beautiful. And I just want to tell you, is parenting a test or what? I, I'm telling you, right? You'll be mature. If there's anything where I show my immaturity more, it's parenting. <laughs> Anybody true. else in here, right? Yeah. You, you ever do this? Will you stop yelling? <laughs> And then, and then you go back and you go, oh, my God, I, I just do everything I tell my kids not to do. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's Parenting, leading others, being married, all that does is reveal the ugliness within me. It does. And, but here's, here's the light bulb that came on for me I'm so excited to share with you. In our culture, when we hear the word test, we immediately think pass or fail. We immediately think either I'm good enough or I'm not. I'm going to be accepted into the program or I'm going to be not accepted, right? And I am so grateful for the people today who are trying to change the way we do education. Because you take a test and then you get back F. What, is, what does that say about you? You're a failure. And there are people who are labeling themselves failures because they failed a test. You know what a test should do? And now what a test actually does do? You take a test, all it does is reveal what you don't know. Now, if it was proper education, what we would do is say, okay, great, you don't know that, so now let's work on that. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you just don't know that yet. So let's, now let's work on that because we have a goal that you're going to actually be able to function in this discipline, and we believe that you can. See how different? See, if that was what a test did, then you would go, oh, man, I'm so grateful for the test because it helped me to realize what I can't do. It helped me realize what I don't know. It doesn't, and in Christ, when he tests you, because he's already made you an A, right? He's already purified you. You already got the A. So this isn't about being judged whether you're a failure or not. You're not a failure in Christ's eyes. You're his kid and he loves you. So now he tests you to help you realize that beautiful person that's inside of you, I gotta let you know where you're not quite pulling it out because I want to make you choice. Isn't that good news? Now you can completely change your perspective. I can read this verse now and actually go, okay, man, I'm not doing this well. It does not mean that I lose God's favor. I can't because of Jesus Christ. It means he just loves me enough to show me the thing I need to work on so I can be choice. It's fantastic. Yeah. All right, I'm going to read this real quick. You go. Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, he was writing to people far away, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become, how many homes have grumbling and arguing? Sorry. <laughs> so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation and then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. That that's, choice. that's choice. That shining forth takes work. Look back in the verse. And the work, the beautiful thing about this is it's in relationship. It's working together. God is at work in you to accomplish what he wants in your life. And you are encouraged to work it out to be involved in your purification, to let him heal you. So many of us take way too long to realize it's been two weeks since we had any time in his word, or it's been two years since we prayed. We get lazy, he's working in us, but he wants us to be relying on him in relationship <laughs> and work it out. Becoming somebody who shines like a star in this generation, even though he's the one doing it in you is going to require of you so much faith and so much willingness to come to him when you're broken and you've messed up and just keep coming back. Just yeah. keep showing up. Yeah, so isn't it interesting, right? Because God does choose you, God does purify you, and God does test you. Mm -hmm. but, but the point is, I mean, how many, how many of us are like, man, but I'm still like, I'm not very choice. So, there's got, so basically mm -hmm. what we're trying to say here, and I think what the scripture is saying is, it's a, it's a relationship. The only way you actually experience becoming who you're supposed to be is God will work in you. Now, again, right? Anyone can be choice because of Jesus. He's saying you can be blameless and pure without fault in a warped and crooked generation. See, God's saying, I want you to be choice. But here's how it's going to work. I'm going to work in you. This is what God promises you. I will work in you to will and to act. That's so cool. So in other words, God actually will start to give you the desire to will it and to act according to his good purpose. That's what God will do. But then what's he say? But you got to work it out. He's going to do it in you, but you have to work it out. Now, here's, here's what's important. What is the work that you must do? Because you don't get saved by your works. So what's the work? You, somebody asked Jesus, what good works do I got to do? And Jesus said, the work of God is what? Believe. To believe. The work of God is to believe. So in other words, when God goes to work inside you, he shows you this junk, right? He tested you and this crap came out. Then what we do is we go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust that you've forgiven me for that. And I'm going to confess it to you and let you forgive me. And I'm going to believe that you totally forgive me for yelling at my kids, for doing whatever I did wrong. I'm, it, that's, that's believing. See, because now you can get back up and you can try again. You're not beating yourself up and going, I'm horrible. You believe him. And then it also means you rely on him. Uh, the coolest thing happened for me this week based on last week, right? That Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve as the head he serves. So you know what hit me this week? And I've been saying it. I said it this morning. I'm like, well, if Jesus didn't come to serve or be served, but to serve, then he's living today to do what? He still serve. wants to serve. And I'm like, okay. So instead of me trying to be better, I've been asking Jesus, going into situations and going, hey, Jesus, would you serve me right now? Would you actually help me right now? 
Would you give me what I don't have? That's what grace is. Grace is the power to do what you can't do. Would you give that to me? And I had some amazing experiences this week where I walked into situations where normally I just freak out and I'm no good. And I, I received power. And I think it's because I worked out what he was working in. But I worked it out by faith. I believed he would serve me. And I asked him to help me. And he helped me. That's how he's going to do it, you guys. It's not about you. It is all about 